everyone. Welcome back to Sustainability Speaks. We're your hosts, Deja and Saskia. On today's podcast, we're excited to welcome Jenna, the Chief Marketing Officer at Tulip Share. Jenna, would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a bit about Tulip Share and your personal background? Yeah, absolutely. So Tulip Share started in July 2021 off of the back of the momentum from protests like the Black Lives Matter movement, uh, School Strike for Climate. Um, you know, the last couple of years, there's been a lot of anger and outreach coming from grassroots movements, wanting more accountability um, from, from leadership. And on top of that, we're in the midst of a retail investor boom where, you know, during COVID lockdowns, we were seeing just people at home on furlough, um, you know, paying a lot more attention to the stock market, to investing and, um, and so on and so forth. So we decided to kind of take both of those trends that we were starting to see to shift power away from big institutions and back into the hands of individuals. So if you think about kind of that whole GameStop, GameStop momentum, um, a, a GameStop event where a bunch of retail investors started buying shares and, you know, beat out institutions at their own game, you know, we said, what if instead of trying to beat <laughs> institutions around specific, like, uh, like monetary wins, why, why not also focus on climate change? And so that is really where Tulip Share came about. Uh, ESG topics are big in the financial industry right now, but there's still so much more accountability for big corporations to stick to their promises, which is where we come in. So Tulip Share is on a mission to give a voice to the retail investor. We empower activists to fight for change at global brands as a shareholder. And our platform then enables individuals to invest behind ethical campaigns. And then on the back end, we're pooling the shares together so we can work together to drive the change, uh, social and environmental change that we want to see. So Tulip Share, it's, a, um, it's an um, investing platform. So basically, you know, individuals can come onto our platform across the UK and invest behind. You're investing in companies, but you're not, you can't just invest in any company. You can only invest in companies where we have social and environmental campaigns to drive change from that company within. So most recently, we just had uh, Johnson Johnson's AGM, uh, their talc-based baby powder has been, they've stopped the sales in North America um, due to its ties for cancer, <laughs> uh, ties to cancer that, um, you know, talc was contaminated with asbestos. It was causing mesothelioma and ovarian cancer in women. And we saw this and said, well, why are you selling it everywhere else globally, including in the UK? And so we developed a campaign at Johnson & Johnson to stop the sale of their talc-based baby powder globally. We haven't won this year. We're still waiting to see what the final results are from that, from that vote. However, we did get a, a good amount of support, especially for you know, having only launched in July. Um, and in addition to that, we have three other campaigns that are going to vote this year, one at JP Morgan. Uh, which was we filed a duplicative proposal. So another um, activist proposal actually made it onto the, the ballot, but we are supporting that to get them to stop investing in fossil fuels. We have another one at uh, Salesforce to um, demand a third party racial equity audit based off of um, issues from senior leaders resigning from Salesforce due to our, our quoting uh, racial microaggressions at the company. Um, and then finally, we have a campaign at Amazon to get a third party audit uh, to um, around workers' rights and making sure that, you know, workers have a safe place <laughs> to come to to work, um, you know, on the back end of all of the um, warehouse worker issues at, at Amazon this, this past year. 
Great. Thank you so much for that summary. Very interesting work. I guess also just to clarify my understanding, I think this may be useful to the listeners as well. Um, recently, there has been such a big trend in a lot of environmental, if we just focus on, you know, the environmental, for example, a lot yeah. of environmental charities getting acquiring shares within companies and then trying to steer the decisions of the companies that way. Does Tulip Share essentially allow you to partake in something similar? Exactly. From an an individual standpoint. Exactly. We're actually supporting a lot of charities. We're um, uh, we're about to launch a campaign with Make My Money Matter, um, uh, the Clean Clothes campaign, um, City to Sea, which is based here in the UK. And we just signed a agreement with As You Sew, where we have an exclusive partnership with them to uh, really help them tap into the to retail investors because retail investors have been left out of this conversation. You know, all of these votes come down to large institutions. Um, you know, Vanguard, BlackRock, State Street, they own <laughs> the majority shares of most of these companies and get to drive these decisions. And unfortunately, they don't map out to nece- necessarily what consumers, what retail investors want and what we prioritize. And you know, that's where Tulip Share comes in is we're now bringing retail investors al- uh, along on this journey. We're saying, you know, all you have to do is invest one pound and you can protest, um, you know, protest at JP Morgan to get them to stop investing in the fossil fuel space. It's, it's a quite, it's a um, something that I think that most people don't realize that they actually have power. They don't feel like owners when you're an owner of a company that you can actually drive change. And yeah. it makes sense because, you know, I mean, me personally, I wouldn't have that much money or nearly the amount of, I, I, like, it, I, I couldn't even come close to, you know, um, but when you pull our shares together, so if we have a million people pledging a pound, that, that changes the conversation. And that's what Tool of Share is pushing to do is it's really kind of being the change.org of, um, you know, a investing platform. So we're not promising returns. Um we're promising that we're going to fight for change at these companies. And, um, and it's been really cool to see just how much support we've garnered, you know, just since launching in July. For hearing that my immediate like question following this would be, who's your target audience? Anybody over the age of 18. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So it's, it's, we don't have, I wouldn't say like, we're, we're not targeting high net worth individuals. We're targeting everyday people. Uh, Resistance comes in so many different forms and activist investing can be one of them. It's just historically been used, you know, to turn companies to make them more profitable instead of more sustainable or instead of um, more ethical and instead of prioritizing women's rights you know, instead of prioritizing the black community, <laughs> you know, and that's where now we're stepping in and we're saying, no, actually, that's not what we're going, that, that's not what we want to do here. We want to actually start to change some of these public companies who have more power than countries. Modern companies today are absolutely enormous. So by 2021, the total market value of Apple came to more than the value of most countries' GDP. Only seven countries have annual GDP figures greater than Apple's market cap. The US, uh, Japan, China, Germany, the UK, uh, France, and I forget the, uh, and India, you know, and when you look at, when you look at that and you, you say that, I mean, they have so much power that they can, you know, if we can, if we can drive small changes at these companies to, to have them prioritize, to have, you know, CEOs pay tied to sustainability figures versus, versus profits, you could change the world. (laughs) 
Yeah, I fully agree. This is, um, well, as Stasia was saying, so interesting. Um, my question is sort of a follow-up again from Stasia's. Um, you spoke a bit about operating in the UK. So is it only people in the UK who can invest or can anybody use Tulip Share globally? So we've just launched in July um, and right now we're only available to UK investors. However, we are on track to launch at the end of the summer in the US. And then after that, we are looking to expand across Europe. So um, the idea is that people across the world will be able to back these campaigns. So you're aligning people in India and Europe, um, the, the states, South America, et cetera, around these specific issues to, to help drive change. And, you know, it, it starts to level the playing field a bit because prior to that, we were fighting, you know, really at a, at a political level, you know, um, looking to lobby and change um, just kind of how we govern these companies. But that can only go so far. Um, and so this is, like I said, just another form of a way to drive change by um, putting pressure on the private sector. And what is also very interesting to me is how Tulipshire's team functions. So where are you based? Um, are you still, are you operating on still more of a startup level or has your team grown quite significantly since the organization launched? Um, we've grown quite significantly. We've raised um, about $12 million um, since launching. It was the most, our seed funding round, um, I believe, um, was the uh, largest for any impact-based company uh, to date globally. Um, we've, we've, we raised $10.8 million. Um, and since then, we've added, we started when I joined, I think I was the sixth hire. Um, and then we've now grown to about 30 people and are still growing. Um, so, uh, and everybody's based, not just in the UK, they're in the U S and France, in Spain, um, Georgia, um, Belarus, um, you know, all over. So it's, um, but it's been really cool and it's really that global perspective and, you know, the view from, from the ground. I mean, everybody that works at Toolshare is unbelievably passionate about what we do, which is so cool because, you know, especially in today's geopolitical environment, there's so much control out of our hands. And, you know, the media has a tendency to create this fear and, and divide us. And, you know, we really do feel, um, especially working here, and I can say this personally, I do feel like, you know, it does create this this fear, like this feeling that we can, we can actually work together from wherever we are to, to drive change. Um, and that's really cool. I mean, we, we spoke at Johnson and Johnson's AGM this year, you know, never could we have ever thought that this would, this would have happened. Um, so it does work this, you know, this process does work. The system does work. Um, but what Tulipshire is going to do is make it even that much more democratic by, you know, increasing the accessibility and, and educating retail investors around, you know, what is an AGM in an annual general meeting? What happens there? Um, what proposals are, are being presented and, and how can you get involved? I think there's been such a push the last, you know, I'd say 100 years around um, voting for political campaigns, but it hasn't happened at, you know, the company level. And I think, you know, um, Tulip Share and, you know, other companies like Tumelo and, um, and charities like Share Action and, um, and As You Sow, uh, they're really helping to, you know, broaden the accessibility level. And that's super exciting. Yeah, absolutely. And also huge congratulations in relation to the funding rounds. I'm very familiar with the startup space. So I know that your C yeah. round, very impressive, very impressive. <laughs> 
Yes, thank you. I'd have to I'd have to nod to our founder. He's um mm-hmm. he's he's very good at uh, good at this. So excited to be a part of it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just wondering about your campaigns. So you spoke quite a bit about the different campaigns you have going on. How mm-hmm. do you decide the campaign? How what what goes on in the decision process? Yeah, good question. So um, it's a handful of things. We look at um, vulnerability scores around ESG specific topics. We look at kind of um, you know the news and media and uh, research that's supporting that. And then it also comes down to kind of you know, what does the jurisdiction, so in this instance, because these are all US-based companies, we're looking at the SEC and we're seeing, okay, what does the SEC allow us to do? I mean, obviously, once you're an investor in a company, you can engage with the investor relations teams at these public companies, but it's when you have more, a stronger campaign, I'd say, around that specific issue that you're able to really influence those conversations and put more pressure on the, uh, on these companies themselves. Um, So, we're basically doing research, like, you know, looking at Johnson and Johnson, for instance, we, you know, there was, um, we looked at, you know, the last couple of years, the proposals that were submitted the last couple of years um, to see what happened, what, how much support did they garner from, from investors. And then we looked at, you know, the media, what are some of these key issues and risks that um, exist, not only to, you know, people, but to the company itself, because, you know, most shareholders, you know, unfortunately care a lot more about the returns. I mean, when you're thinking that your pension, um, you know, could be invested in this company, you want to make sure that it's growing over time. So you also have to create the financial case uh, as to why this change is necessary. Um, So we pull all of this information together to then basically decide, is this a go or no go um, for you know, for this, there's been lots of campaigns um, that we've looked into doing, you know, at other companies that we had to kind of put a pause on just because the the law hasn't caught up or the SEC hasn't caught up to, you know, pushing these types of campaigns. And actually, we saw even with Johnson & Johnson, some of the feedback that we received is, you know, investors today are a lot more comfortable saying, let's do an audit versus let's actually stop the sale of a product altogether. Um, which was, you know, a big learning for us, um, you know, this year. And that doesn't mean, you know, um, as I said earlier, you know, we're still waiting to get the voting results because, you know, we are hoping that we had double digit, double digit uh, results from that vote. And Johnson Johnson's required to, um, you know, give, uh, give details as to how much support we actually garnered. Um, as long as we have a 5%, um, a 5% support we can resubmit next year, which is what we plan to do and continuing to engage with Johnson & Johnson. However, we also got a lot of great feedback from some big investors such as State Street and Vanguard. And um, we do plan to continue to engage with them to really help to have better conversations um, you know, with Johnson & Johnson around this issue going forward. The Johnson & Johnson campaign is so crazy to me. I think it's even crazy the fact that I actually didn't know anything about this. Do you ever find that investors also um, don't know anything about some of the campaigns that you do and they're also very shocked? You know, I think a lot of just because of the amount of media coverage that Johnson & Johnson has received in the last couple of years or or the last year and beyond, actually, um, around their talc-based baby powder. And, you know, I mean, it was pulled off the shelves in North America, you know, both in Canada and the US. So it's they were a lot more aware of it. I think that maybe was not as, um, you know, people aren't aware that it's still sold globally. And that narrative really never made headlines um, until more recently. And so 
Um, yes and no. I think they they are aware, but I think it's it, it's hard to keep track of, right? You know, and so I think that kind of increases the importance of corporate governance and saying that you know the private sector, when it's left unchecked, can cause a lot of damage. <laughs> and um, you know, this this decision makes no sense. I mean, Johnson and Johnson is known that they could actually just change their baby powder and use cornstarch, um, you know, instead of talc, and yet they don't. You know, and the only thing that I could think of is, is cornstarch is more expensive, <laughs> but, you know, at the same time, it's, it's much safer. Why would you, why would you kind of gamble on safety? That doesn't make any sense to me. And um, so yes and no, I think it really kind of depends, you know, and the companies are going to do everything that they can. I mean, Amazon and, and all of these, uh, the working environments for their warehouse workers, that's been, that's been headlines for, you know, years now. And I don't know why investors and institutions aren't prioritizing this even more and really engaging. Perhaps they are I'm not, you know, I'm not privy to the conversations that they're having with these companies, with their investor relations teams, but they're not doing enough. And, um, you know, and I think TulipShare will help make it easier for them to do more um, because a lot of these institutions aren't able to have conversations with retail. You know, there's, there's a gap between the conversations that they can have. Um, and we're breaking down those barriers, which I think is is really cool and, um, you know, has the ability to do big things. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree in that in that with that regard. Um, I think also what I would really find interesting to discuss, and I'm sure the listeners will as well. You've mentioned um, accessibility. Mm -hmm. And I think the question that I have is how do how does Tulip Share represent everyone in a united front? Because I feel like also, let's say if you're dealing with an organization where the campaign that you may be running, let's say is an anti-racism campaign or is something to do with, you know, the very skewed social structures, which are also then reflected in the way, you know, corporations are run, unfortunately. How does Tulip Share almost like empower people who perhaps are from the global majority or, you know, from more of a, from, from a marginalized community as it is, unfortunately, how does the organization represent everyone in a united front and say, hey, you actually have a voice to address these issues? It's another good question. We are partnering very closely with charities. So I can't actually even say that it's all just tulip share, like I'm going back to Johnson and Johnson again, just because it was more recent. It just happened this past week, but you know, we were working with um, Until Justice Stated Partners, Black Women for Wellness, We Act for Environmental Justice, um, lots of different charities and organizations to help, you know, because I mean, the talc-based baby powder and a lot of the issues uh, at Johnson & Johnson, because the one proposal that did pass um, this this season was on um, uh, enforcing or, or having uh, Johnson Johnson do uh, conduct a third party racial equity audit. So they will be audited around these, these issues was, which was a step in the right direction, but you know, I'm not a black woman and I can't even think to understand what life has been like or what a day in their shoes is like, you know? So there's no way that we can pretend um, you know, we know that these problems exist, but we need to tap into these voices and, and that's what we look to do. So we look to partner with charities and organizations to, um, you know, explain to them that like, there's so many different ways of, of resistance and activist investing can be one of them. 
And so um, we look to bring them along our campaigns and handle the whole legal side of things, you know, make it easy for people to invest, to help support the cause. Um, but we look to tap into their voices to make sure that we are, you know, giving them a chance to um, be heard. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I guess it's all about learning and yeah. inevitably assuring that there is that intersectional accessibility. And yeah, I guess just, as I said, learning and navigating that strategy um, as best you can. As someone who wants to get into this, like somebody who might be listening to the podcast, how would they get started with Tulip Share? So um, there is no minimum that you can invest. You can invest literally as little as a pound. Um, signing up is is very quick and easy. Um, you know, it can take, I mean, it took me about two minutes, um, but, you know, it just depends. There's some personal details that you need to provide, like your national insurance number, which is um, for tax purposes, we're required to do this. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a very, very easy process. We just launched our iOS app, um, and, uh, Android app. So you can actually download the app and sign up and, um, yeah, it's very, very easy. We do currently have an incentive as well. So you can invest as, you know, once you top up your wallet, you get, um, you earn a free 10 pounds just to, um, you know, help start you on your journey. So it's, it's a very, um, very easy process to do. We also have a blog that we launched to uh, really educate people around what activist investing and shareholder activism is um, so that people can learn more about this process because we do think education is power and understanding this process is so important. Um, you know, even if you have shares elsewhere um, to, to really engage with the companies that you're investing in because you can help drive change for the better. And um, that's really cool. Um, and of course you can always reach out to support at tulipshare.com with any questions. Um, we're also going to be hiring. So if this, somebody's listening to this and is like, wow, I want to work for this company, please do <laughs> reach out to us and, um, let us know what you can bring to the table. And, um, you know, that's actually how I came across Tulipshare. I, I, um, DM'd our founder. <laughs> um, I'd been working, my, my past was I'd worked on a couple of activist campaigns, including, um, the engine number one's campaign against Exxon. And, um, I was shocked going through this whole process that, you know, there's so many people protesting around climate change and, um, and, you know, showing up to cop, uh, cop events. And, you know, in, in, in London, we were seeing, you know, Insulate Britain and Extinction Rebellion, you know, really, um, you know, putting so much pressure on trying to drive change and, um, yet nobody's showing up to the ballot of Exxon's AGM or retail investors have no idea or, or they don't even know what their pensions are invested in, which is something Make My Money Matter speaks a lot to. Um, so, you know, it was that experience that led me to Tulip Share. And um, I hope people listening to this, you know, get excited about this as well and, and may want to may wanna join our growing team. Yeah, for sure. It sounds so interesting. I think one thing that you said about people's pensions is I think genuinely people just don't know what's going on, especially when they're like working a lot or they have like a, a job that works long hours. It's not something that people sit and think about. So it's very, no, totally. Yeah, it's very useful. So just thank you so much for joining us. It's been such an interesting discussion. Um, thank you for giving up your Saturday morning. We really appreciate it. And I'm sure our listeners do too. Of course. It's a pleasure. As usual, um, all the links to Truly Share will be in the description of the podcast. So if you're listening and you're interested, which you should be, um, please make sure to go check those out.